Welcome to Boy Boy Time Podcast. We're gonna get lady time, yeah. Oh, it's your boy, Boy Time Podcast. Coming in with the slam dunk of a theme song. Hi ho ho, it's me, Paul Thomas Anderson, back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Babby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the big celebration episode. Uh, Yay. The Whist, Whist Week. Uh, the Boy Time Podcast end of the year review of games and movies. Not music. That's a separate video on the main channel that is going to be coming out soon, TM. So that's awesome. Probably within this week, I think. It'll be sometime this week, so. Yeah. Be on the lookout. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, Follow our Twitter, because I'll post something on there uh, about it when it comes out. So that's awesome. Best way to keep in contact with us and see a whole lot of uh, very hilarious tweets that I write. <laughs> yes, everyone laughs. Uh, I have been trending a couple times, but it is not a big deal. I haven't checked in a while. I'm going to do that right now. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> so, so like I said, um, we're going to be going over our top games and movies of stuff that came out in 2021. Um, unless there's some stuff that came out in, like, December of 2020, but I don't think that applies to me. Uh, not to me either. Okay. Okay, That's mostly for music stuff. Yeah, but I don't, I don't remember what came out, like, Christmas of last year. Yeah, I had to look stuff up just to make sure I was correct in my dates for this stuff, because I... I feel like the first half of the year and the second half of the year were like two completely different things. For sure. Uh, yeah, that, that's what was good about having my letterboxed all set up because then I could sort movies that I've watched by year 2021 mm-hmm. of like the release dates. And that, that made it kind of easy. I'm sure I missed some, but, you know, that's fine. Um, I got the big ones, I think. Uh, I actually ran out of room we, I think we were planning on doing five top five movies top five games for both of us I actually had to expand mine to a top ten for movies and I have some honorable mentions because I just have too many G-Dang movies I saw this year that I really enjoyed I felt like it would have been a disservice not to talk about them but uh, there's still some that I saw that I had to leave out even of the honorable mention stuff. So uh, my letterboxed is linked in the description of the YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube, or it is in the show description if you're listening on audio streaming services. So um, I write reviews whenever I watch a new movie. Um, I think I only have three or four up since I started making the, uh, since I made the account. So if you're interested in knowing my uh, thoughts on a movie before the podcast comes out, then, you know, there it is. It's there. Um, enough plugging. I feel like I've been plugging for the last three minutes. Ah, 
Also, listen, watch uh, main channel videos. Our James uh-huh. Taylor one is not doing very good. <laughs> <laughs> As expected. Yes. I thought it would have been funny for the intro of that video to say welcome to the least popular boy time video ever. But I don't do intros. Um, and I didn't That's pitch true. it to yeah, you. I, I wasn't about to like... You know, yeah, but you knew it was going to be true. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just didn't want to show it, you know? Yeah. Uh, even like, I think Black Star also had like a really slow start. Yeah. But no, any hip hop album before uh, 2000 or like slightly after, unless it's Kanye is like not going to do well. Yeah. Cause I feel like reaction audiences are younger. So that's true. More people should know about Black Star. No, for sure. And a lot of people do. It's just, I don't think there's a reaction community out there that's seeking out that kind of stuff. I suppose not really. It kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you're listening and you want, and you're a big James Taylor fan, you know, <laughs> check out our video on Boy Time Main Channel. Um, but without further ado, we can just jump right into it. Um, do you want to do games or movies first? Uh, does not matter. Okay. I think we usually do movies first in discussion. Like our formatting, I don't. Okay. I don't know though. I don't take notes. Okay. Um, I guess something to note is that I actually, uh, you know what? Before we jump into the list, I'll give the one bit of news that came out this week. It's been extremely slow, but that's actually good for what we're doing here today. Um, but I did want to drop this just because um, there was a new trailer for Atlanta that came out i haven't i didn't watch it but it did give the um release date for when the season three is going to start and that is going to be march 24th um yeah and it looks like they're following the always sunny format of doing two a week so we're going to be getting two episodes of season three on march 24th um i'm guessing that's next day Hulu. i would imagine so because it's the same network yeah um, so that's epic. We have, uh, Ozark coming out in January, got Atlanta, uh, in March. Um, I don't know if there's any news on any of our other shows coming out. I don't know when Saul's coming out or anything like that, but we will be sure to keep you posted on all of that fun stuff as it is happening. Um, but that is it for news. Um, not a lot has happened. Um, and maybe it did, but, uh, I didn't write it, so it didn't happen, as I always say. Um, let's just jump right into movies. Um, so I'll just kind of, like, breeze through my 10 through 6, uh, because I know you only have 5, right? Yes. Okay. I'm just gonna quickly go over everything, uh, that I... I just, I had to bring up. Um, Number 10 is Luca. uh, Pixar's showing uh, this year. Um, Pretty, it was pretty good. Um, You know, I haven't really thought about it much since I watched it when it came out on Disney Plus in, I think, June or July. Um, But it was pretty heartwarming story like they usually do. But... Uh, especially after Soul, it didn't really hit the same, you know? 
Um, but I think, um, you know, visually very impressive as always. Uh, although it looks like that Lightyear is going to knock everything else out of the water, uh, which is kind of crazy for a stupid Buzz Lightyear origin story. Um, but if you are interested in Pixar stuff and you haven't seen Luca yet, I mean, it's not going to let you down. It's a good Pixar movie. Um, so there's that. Uh, my number nine, uh, Last Night in Soho, uh, the Edgar Wright movie that came out this year. Uh, I was pretty surprised that I put it this low, um, but I've seen a lot of great stuff this year. Um, and I think I had, uh, everything from here on out is a four out of five for me. Um, so it was like really hard to like narrow down, uh, you know, where everything goes. Um, but I, I think this thing, it does a lot of great things visually. Uh, the cinematography and lighting are all very impressive, uh, with that Edgar Wright kind of style to it. Um, very, very nice. Uh, the writing is, is, I wouldn't say predictable, but it's, uh, you know, it's not like a crazy written thing, but I don't think that's really Edgar Wright's style. Um, he was definitely better when Simon Pegg was also co-writing these in the Cornetto trilogy, um, cause I think they're pretty well balanced in their writing styles and they could really make some great movies together. Um, but Edgar Wright's writing is never really his strong suit. I think it's more the staging, um, and like interesting scenarios. It's kind of what we got from like Baby Driver and now this one. Um, so yeah, I would... I would definitely like, I recommend everything on this list, obviously. So if you're into Edgar Wright and you somehow haven't seen this yet, uh, then I would recommend it. Uh, number eight, Dune. Um, Dune is really freaking good. Uh, I knew nothing about it going in. Um, I knew that the David Lynch one was uh, a disaster. I think putting it lightly. Um and so I was like, eh, you know what, I'll check it out. Um, I know it's, like, getting good reviews and stuff, and I was uh, very impressed. Um, I think, I, I keep saying this, but it is visually striking. Um, Denis Villeneuve does a lot of uh, great work with CGI and creating sci-fi worlds that feel real and lived in. Um, I know that there is uh, a great amount of source material here that he based it on, but, um, you know, that I'd, not to discount his work on it at all. Um, that being said, I think I will enjoy the second one a little bit more, because uh, this one is uh, all set up, um, which is fine, because you do need that, you know, but when it comes to stuff like this, uh, the first one, if it's like planned to be multiple, then the first one's just a lot of setup, unless it's like Fellowship of the Ring or something. Um, but like, you know, to get the Dark Knight, you got to get the Batman Begins and that's okay. And, you know, this movie is a great standalone movie, but there's a lot of exposition. Um, so prepare for that. Um, but they do kind of distract you with some very <laughs> the very pretty desert scenes, so that's pretty fun. Um, my number seven is the Suicide Squad. Um, I was pretty pretty excited for this one. Um, 
This was uh, James Gunn's uh, not attempt. I, I guess it is his attempt at a DC Suicide Squad movie uh, coming off the heels of Guardians of the Galaxy and the whole fiasco of getting kicked out of Marvel and then back in Marvel and then now he has like three projects for Marvel or something. Um, so he's made a DC movie uh, and it, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is maybe the best one after uh, Joker. Um, although Joker is a little bit more derivative of um, old Scorsese character study stuff. Um, but this one is... It's got that like Guardians of the Galaxy charm, uh, that that humor is there. Uh, it's actually funny, uh, which is hardly ever the case in a DC movie, uh, or really a comic book movie. I think James Gunn really uh, kind of is in a lane of his own when it comes to stuff like that. Um, but you know, uh, definitely check this one out. Uh, it's, I mean. Safe to say it's better than the original Suicide Squad, so that's pretty epic. Um, number six is Pig, uh, and I am very sad that this didn't make my top five. I think Pig being my number six is the whole reason I wanted to do ten, because uh, Pig is so flipping good, um, but there are, there are there are some things that kind of hold it back for me. Um, I, I, I did a whole review of Pig, um, about, a, I think it was probably about a month ago at this point when I watched it. Um, and, uh, it absolutely blew me away. Um, I am not really a Nick Cage fan. I do enjoy, uh, <laughs> one or two of his performances cause they can be pretty funny, but I wouldn't consider him like a good actor. Um, until now, this is probably his best performance ever. Um, and all of the performances in this, uh, movie are absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you are interested in, I, I have no idea how even to describe this thing. Um, it just is great. And it's on Hulu. It's like an hour and a half. Very, I don't know if I would say it's accessible cause it's, it's a slow burn, even though it's only really short, but, um, not a lot happens in it. Um, but, you know, I think it's that perfect time where uh, not a lot happens, but there's, it's just very dense. Um, and that's, that's really cool to see. Um, and that is my 10 through 6. Going to top 5 now. I'll, I'll take a break. Baby, you can give your number 5. Okay. Uh, honorable mention I have would probably be Judas, Black, or Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, okay. Um, we watched this a long time ago, so I don't remember much about it. But uh, from what I do remember, it was pretty well made. Um, soundtrack's killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a little long for what it was. But, um, again, going in depth and stuff was uh, very interesting. I love those kind of more uh, historically accurate films. Mm-hmm. Um, modernized for yeah. today and not like, you know old westerns and crap it's like stuff that's happened <laughs> like in the past 50 years or 100 years oh um, yeah but enjoyed that one mm-hmm. uh number five i have last night in soho okay um pretty sick uh audio trickery that happens um again edgar wright cinematography is one of my favorites um i love the lighting and everything else um 
I had the pleasure of watching this in an empty theater, so I think it made it a lot better for me. Yeah. Uh, you get to sit in the best seat in the house because everything's available to you. Um, so you get the sound like perfectly balanced. You get the screen right in front of you. But performances were pretty great. Um, I kind of got a get out kind of feeling from it where it's not mm. like a horror movie in the sense that it's like, oh, jump scare, scary. Yeah. But more in the fact of like paranoia and uh, psychological stuff, which is the horror that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like it's touching on societal issues as the horror making it a real thing and not like some boogeyman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though like those movies will personify it like they did with the ghosts and stuff here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it was very tasteful. Um, I loved like the special effect on the ghost faces where like yes. you couldn't really recognize them, but then like they started getting more and more recognizable as the film went on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, really that cool. was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that one. Epic. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that one, too. Um, I just had it so low on the list because... Uh, you also ooh. have a bigger palette than me this year. I have a major like ADHD now when it comes to viewing things at home. Um, oh, yeah. So I have to go to the theater to watch a movie and like fully experience it. For sure. And that takes time. So you got to yeah. drive there. Yeah. That, I'm the same way. I don't watch a Next whole Next year lot I'll probably stuff. be a lot better since I've only recently started going to the theater. Uh, yes. Uh, and, I mean, there's going to be some on here that you haven't seen. There's going to be a lot I'll, of ones next year that are, yeah. I'd, I'll be sure to recommend you some stuff if you're going to be going to the theater because I'm probably going to be going a lot next year knowing yeah. what's <laughs> what's coming. Yeah. Knowing what's coming, I'm going to be going a lot. So Oof, Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited. Next year is going to be a good one. Uh, and then the one after that, I don't know. The writer's strike is happening. It might be bad. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but... My number five is one that I saw pretty recently, Nightmare Alley, uh, the new Guillermo del Toro flick. Um, uh, I think the best way I can uh, describe this is like it's like the prestige, but in a carnival in the 1940s. And that's pretty fun. Um, if you are <laughs> if you're a fan of the yep. prestige, uh, the Chris Nolan film with uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Uh, that one's about two magicians that are competing with each other. Uh, and this one is about a guy who's trying to be a psychic. Well, not trying. He, he is, well, you know, it, this is hard to explain. But he's, like, trying to learn how to be, like, a psychic at a carnival. How Like, doing the tricks and stuff to, like, pretend that you're reading minds and stuff. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, man, it's kind of hard to describe why I like this movie so much without spoiling it, because I want to keep this fairly spoiler-free. Um, but, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro in the the hot seat, it's some weirdo stuff. Um, everything is, like, super, like, dark and dingy. Um... And I really dig that. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like. I'm kind of sad that I don't like horror movies, is because I really love the like dark and atmospheric tones that the horror movies can uh, kind of give off. But I am just too much of a weenie uh, baby idiot um, to like them. But this one's like right up my alley. It's like the aesthetic. I like the aesthetic. Yeah. Exactly right. 
uh, and this one exudes that aesthetic. Um, you know, I, uh, th- I will say that this uh, movie has like probably some of the realest gore I've ever seen in any movie, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, it, I mean, before that it was trained to Busan and I think it just got dethroned. Um, but the difference between Train to Busan and Nightmare Alley is that Nightmare Alley uses it very sparingly. Um, there's probably only like three scenes in the whole movie where someone like is like, you know, bludgeoned or whatever. There's gore in the movie. Um, but every time it happens, it elicits a response. It is so real. I have no idea how they do that. Um, Knowing Guillermo del Toro, it's probably some weird CGI trickery, um, but even then, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, who know? I might watch this movie ten years from now and be like, "Oh, that looks bad." But uh, where we're at right now, I was uh, kind of blown away by everything. Um, you got some great performances. This is this thing has a great cast. Uh, you got uh, Bradley Cooper as the main man. You got Rooney Mara as his love interest. You got Kate Blanchett as one of the... Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to describe her. She's like a psychiatrist. Um, and she's, she's in the movie. Uh, you got Willem Dafoe as like the carnival ringleader. Uh, oh, frick. There's, there's some other people too. I'm having a hard time remembering. Oh, Ron Perlman is like the muscle man. Uh, oh, Tony Collette as the psychic that he is uh, learning from. Uh, and all of them give absolutely spectacular performances. Uh, Willem Dafoe is on fire right now. He's in, like, so many things, and he's doing great in all of them. Um, so, yeah, check out Nightmare Alley. Uh, the only reason it isn't higher is that it is extremely long. It is 2 hours and 40 minutes, I believe. Uh, and it really doesn't need to be that long. Um, it kind of slumps in the middle where it's like, okay, I get it. I know, I know what's going on. Uh, I see the, the twist coming. Um, just, you know, lay it on me. Um, and then it does, but it takes a long time to get there. Um, so that is my number five. Check it out now. It is in theaters. You can believe it. Uh, number four, I have the Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, we're definitely, like, I was excited for this one just because it was a James Gunn rendition, and James Gunn makes uh, some of the only superhero movies that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, and it definitely worked with the rated R setting. Um, the cast was pretty great. Mm -hmm. They took the pieces of the old Suicide Squad that worked and threw them in there. Um, then you also got bangers like John Cena. John Cena's um, great in that movie. John Cena did fantastic in this movie. It yeah. was a complete surprise. <laughs> I would have loved to see more of Pete Davidson, but uh-oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but the chemistry and the writing was great. He's such a good comedic writer. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing felt out of place or like Marvel plastic humor-ish. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is something I have to eye roll at like a lot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so satisfying when you have a superhero movie that like doesn't take itself so seriously, but still has like good quality humor that actually makes me laugh and not like do an eye roll. Um, yeah. It's just fun. F- yeah, yeah. It's got that comic booky feel still, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
cast of characters is awesome. James Gunn is like really good at just taking completely random people that have no chemistry with each other at all and just putting them in a group and like <laughs> making it work. Yeah. Um, that's like his specialty. But soundtracking was great. Um, villains were cool. Yeah, I don't know if there's much negatives about it. The runtime uh, seemed pretty good. There was like a little bit of a lull towards the end. Um, I felt like they drug out like the ending boss fight a little bit yeah. too long. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I thought it was pretty sick. I don't know about the Peacemaker show. That was a little weird as an end credit scene, but I don't know how that show is yet. Yeah. I think, I think it's just coming out now. It's coming out um, uh, January. It's, I think it's like middle of January. It's coming yeah. out on HBO Max, so, which we might watch we'll it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we can maybe check that out. I'm somewhat interested. But. I, I, I think James Gunn is back on board for that, and uh, John Cena is still playing Peacemaker. Yes. So, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, pretty cool. But pretty cool superhero movie at my number four okay i would never have a superhero movie that high up though never my number four is spider-man no way home <laughs> uh in the biggest twist ever uh spider-man beats a lot of the movies i've seen this year uh and it's the marvel spider-man one not even like a spider-verse anything not even spider yeah. uh spider-verse is coming out next year which i'm sure will well, I'm not sure, but it will probably will be pretty high up next year. Um, but this Spider-Man movie, um, very surprisingly, was very, very good. Um, I don't, I'm not going to give any spoilers still. We might do a spoiler discussion next week. Cause do I, that next week. Yeah. I think that the spoiler embargo will be up next week. I don't know I when so. exactly. Three weeks at that point. Yeah. Um, but you know, we will warn you before we <laughs> talk about spoilers. Um, but you know, I saw this, um, opening day, um, very excited about this movie. Um, the fact that a lot of the old villains were coming back from the Sam Raimi universe and the amazing Spider-Man universe, um, made me very excited. Um, I think it pretty much has them all except James Franco because, you know some some uh you know there's something going on uh <laughs> but i think that, that well no and topher grace as venom is not there but i think other than that i well actually no because spider-man 2 had three villains and only one of them shows up that's fine you don't need more spider amazing spider-man 2 representation because like, yeah. they also had the green goblin and then they had the rhino um, but that's dumb and I they don't referenced it, but it's like, they're not going to, yeah, I don't want all of those guys. It's fine to just get like one per movie, which I think they kind of, no, they did. They did do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very cool. Um, I believe John Watts is the guy that directed that one. Um, which I don't know, uh, any of his past work might've, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but he seems to be a pretty, pretty good superhero movie, uh, director, um, actually had an ending that I was not expecting. Um, I mean, I, I had a feeling that there was going to be some stakes, but not to the extent that it had without going too much into it. Um, I also really enjoyed that Doctor Strange was not a very big part of this movie. I was really worried that this was just going to be 
number one Benedict Cumberbatch hater. I, I really do not like Benedict Cumberbatch. I will be seeing the new Doctor Strange movie just because <laughs> Sam Raimi is directing it, and I love Sam Raimi. Um, and I want to support this man. Uh, I want him to keep getting movie deals with big studios. Um, but, uh, you know, Doctor Strange... I, I don't mind Doctor Strange too much as a character. I think he is horribly miscast as Benedict Cumberbatch because Doctor Strange is supposed to be like this like wisecracking sorcerer and Benedict Cumberbatch is not that at all. Like I think he is v- perfectly fine at playing Sherlock-type characters where he has to be kind of straight and uh, you know solve mysteries or whatever he does. I don't care. Uh, he's not like uh, a Harrison Ford or something. Uh, not that Harrison Ford would have been a good cast because there's no way he'd do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, this movie was really freaking great. Got some pretty pretty good Spider-Man action scenes. Uh, of course, the, the last one, obviously very good. Um, I really enjoyed Willem Dafoe's performance in this one also. Um you know, I think uh, having all of the villains come back uh, really gave Marvel an excuse to kind of close up some loose ends that were left ambiguous because of uh, Sony being a dumb idiot company that doesn't know how to run their most popular brand. Um, I guess uh, join the club, Nintendo, uh, whatever. Uh, so... This one, really freaking good. Probably the best one out of the Spider-Man trilogy. The the home trilogy, I guess we might call it. I don't know what we're going to call it. But, uh, yeah, pretty rare for the end of the trilogy to be the best one. But uh, that's what happened. So, there you go. Number four, Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow. Yeah, very cool. Uh, number three, I have Dune. Um hmm kind of mirroring what you said already but i uh really like world building but i also can hate sci-fi yes um aka like i don't like the star wars world building because everything feels very plasticky mm-hmm. and like overplayed because it is but at the same time they need to build stuff so they can milk as much content <laughs> out of it as humanly possible yes um but with this it felt very organic um very real i love the style they went for uh, not over futuristically. It's like actually like this could be how things look mm-hmm. in sixty years. Yeah. Um, with this design aesthetics and things, but uh, I love the focus on like it, it explained the entire premise without coming off as just like reading from like an ex- instruction manual of how to like set this world up. Right. They like they didn't dumb it down, but they wrote it in a way that was easy to take in, mm-hmm. um, and they gave the movie the length that it needed for yes. everybody to like be able to understand. But yeah, I love the uh, the focused on like the, just like the environment and, like all the very specific societal and like political things that that are happening, mm-hmm. um, without being boring, which is also like very hard to do, but you get that intrigue of like the the mysterious people from the desert poking in every once in a while and like yeah. the dream sequences and stuff, um, so. I, I think it's a really good setup, so I'm very interested in the second one. But mm-hmm. just as a first one, I'm very impressed um, to make a two and a half hour movie of setup and not make it feel long or like 
boring and uninteresting is like very very hard to do but right you got my stamp of approval yeah that was something i should have brought up in my review that like yeah it never feels like oh like get come on i'm done listening to to yeah i've never felt like that um it's just it's great i love doing i also enjoyed being blinded in the theater it really helped with the the with all the the fade to whites and then they just fade to white (laughs) in a dark theater and my eyes like would water because it's like such a drastic like flashbang i know i don't know why they i mean then then zendaya would be on the screen so i'm like whatever okay and then yeah yeah your your girl crush tuesday shows up and i go wow this is good this is a good movie (laughs) um all right, my number three is Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, this one I, uh, this one I had to look up if that actually came out this year, and it did. I did too. <laughs> yeah, it feels like we watched it a very long time ago. It was in February, I think. Oh, okay, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, this this movie is is really freaking good. Um, don't have like a whole lot of bad to say about it, but it has been a really long time since I've seen it. Um, but you know, I didn't know anything about Fred Hampton going in, um, knew a little bit about the black Panther party, um, especially in Chicago. Uh, and th- there was like a big presence there. Um, and this movie does a lot to kind of, uh, enlighten you on all that went on, um, during that, uh, time in history. Um, and it really is pretty like heartbreaking, um, at the end with like, like, you know, that the movie's called Judas and the Black Messiah. So like, you kind of know what's going to happen with Lakeith Stanfield being Judas and Fred Hampton being the Black Messiah. It's, you know, you know, and plus, you know, Fred Hampton, well, I didn't know, but Fred Hampton actually did get, get shot in his, uh, hotel room while he was sleeping. Um, so it is like really sad to see cause they do not pull any punches with that. It, it really shows kind of like the horror, uh, of like the people around them and like what that situation must've been like and how that really echoes, um, you know, stuff going on, uh, even today with like stuff like Breonna Taylor and stuff, um, where, yeah, police are still just busting into <laughs> people's homes and murdering them, um, which, you know, in February of 2021, hit a really close to home. Um, so I recommend this movie a big ol' amount. Uh, I think this is Daniel Kaluuya's and Lakeith Stanfield's best performances. Um, I think Daniel Kaluuya, one of the best actors out there right now. Uh, and Lakeith Stanfield, he's coming. Uh, I don't... Uh, I was about to say I don't think I've seen him miss, but I don't. He wasn't the best in uh, the hardest they fall. He kind of phoned it in, but that's okay. I thought that movie was decent, anyways. Um, but yeah, definitely something to watch out for. I think. I think they actually won an Oscar. I think Daniel yeah, Kaluuya won. It was like that really weird category. Yeah. Oh yeah, because both of them were supporting. Yep, and there was no main role. That <laughs> so was so dumb. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, don't have the Oscars yet for 2022, um, but we'll probably make fun of it because they're going to do some dumb oh, for sure. stuff like yeah. that again. 
Um, but yeah, I think Daniel Kaluuya won for that. I think it should have been Daniel Kaluuya wins for best main character and then Lakeith Stanfield for supporting. Yeah. Or, it's like they, they like capped to how many uh, Judas could win. Yeah. Which is weird since which, both actors like killed it. Yeah. And, and I think there's like a reason they didn't want like it to sweep. Um, maybe cause like, I know the Oscars are so stupid when it comes to like campaigning and stuff where it's like, maybe they campaigned like an equal amount as something else. So to compromise, then Judas gets supporting and then whatever one for best lead actor, then they probably got that cause of cash. That's probably what's going to happen or what happened. I know Spider-Man, the, the new one is currently campaigning to, be nominated for best picture uh i think if that happens or it's probably going to get nominated because black panther got nominated and that is an infinitely worse movie than uh spider-man no way home um but you know i don't think it should win best picture obviously because i have two more things that are above judas and the black messiah um but yeah definitely check this one out i think it's on hbo max maybe yeah I don't know if it's still there. It was the limited run, I think. It was the limited run, and then they take it away because then you want to go see it in theaters. Right. But I think by now it should be back. I think it should be back by now, yeah. Um, so if you somehow missed it... Oh, wait, I guess I can see it right now on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm not in Germany, thank you. Stupid Letterboxd doesn't even know. Or yeah, it's, uh, it's on HBO. So, uh, check it out if you missed it. When the Oscar cycles happened last year. Adieu. Adieu. Uh, number two, I have Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. Um, I just saw this today, so it's fresh. Good. But, uh, yeah, this is the rare Marvel movie that I really enjoyed and not just went to the theater and as, like, a social thing and just kind of, like, liked and then went home and forgot about it forever. <laughs> right. And didn't care. Um but I felt like this is a very good cap on this trilogy, um, and I think they are going to do more with it. They're, I'm feeling Spider-Man being Marvel's main driver for this decade. Yeah, um, that's what it sounds like. Groundwork. Yeah, I think which uh, I wouldn't. I would be down for it because the Avengers thing got incredibly played out, and I always thought those movies were very plastic. The humor never really hit. It was more of like a, hey, let's just put in these funny jokes that aren't funny, and they're just like borderline like very basic personality things that we'll throw in mm-hmm. so audiences can chuckle at their favorite character um, <laughs> right this one felt more organic i would say mm-hmm. um it felt like it was more conversational and not like oh i'm the strongest man in the universe and then someone else is like oh me too <laughs> ah, ha, ha. yeah um, but i love like the uh the inclusion of all the villains um, it was very nostalgic, but at the same time had a very strong purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it cleaned up a lot of like plot holes and things, but the movie's ethics are very cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't really seen a Marvel movie like that do that in a long time, mm-hmm. um, where they had a big ethic like statement where they wanted this to be the preserving quality and like message of the movie and the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was great. Uh, it didn't like, they didn't make it. So the writing didn't hold up and like it like bent backwards to get the message across. Um, Black Panther. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I, 
this was so weird seeing in a theater because the last two movies I saw were Last Night in Soho and Dune, so these were very oh, yeah. cinematic, artsy, composed movies with mm-hmm. long shots. And then I go into this one, and it's like handheld immediately. <laughs> yeah, you jump right in. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I, I, it took me a while to get back into it. But once I was, um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But yeah, without any spoilers or anything, I I really think they went very ambitious with this idea mm-hmm. um and for the most part i think they nailed it like yes there wasn't any major like plot holes that you can call and instantly be like hey that's not how that happened mm-hmm. um but at the same time you need context to fully enjoy this movie i have seen all the other spider-man movies so it makes sense but if you were to bring in like you know a family member to just watch a marvel movie like you would with 99 percent of other marvel movies in the past five years um besides like the main avenger series it mm-hmm. would be a little difficult to follow i think yeah but, I th- I, you kind of need to see the, the other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I would uh, say. Which, I mean, like, this is definitely not, like, Homecoming or something, where it's like, no. this is made for MCU fans, but also people who like Spider-Man. It's like, right. no, this is a Spider-Man movie for people who have seen all the other Spider-Man movies. Exactly. Um, that's what's Being kinda... someone who has, it worked really well. Yes, so. yes. Um, but I also like when Marvel movies have big stakes, Mm-hmm. And they do not back out of them like cowards like they do in 90% of their movies. Yes. Um, I love how this one ended. I love how far they took it. They mm-hmm. weren't afraid about it. Um, I think this really pushed... Uh, uh, what's his face? Why am I forgetting his name? Tom Holland? Tom Holland. Yeah, it really pushed his acting, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. I hadn't seen that in the first two. Even though he did have good performances, I wasn't sure how he was going to handle this kind mm-hmm. of... Mm-hmm. atmosphere but he did it pretty well right um it's really starting to see him as like the best spider-man throughout this um i think he is yeah he's he's got that combo where he can be like that goofy kid but i think this movie showed that he can do both yeah um so i think that's... Tom holland haters are are seething yeah i know this trilogy i think um yeah yeah but even like the the world building the technology stuff was really cool mm-hmm. um but yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I still am waiting for Into the Spider Verse because uh, you know, across better, the Spider Verse, across the Spider Verse. Sorry, it's gonna be so. Their naming conventions are so awful. <laughs> I'm putting it at number two because the, <laughs> the the naming conventions are awful. I know. Hopefully, I know they're doing a Spider Man four. I think they've already confirmed that because mm-hmm. I think this is the highest grossing Marvel movie since Endgame. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize how big this movie was until, like, it came out and everybody was freaking out. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, Mark theaters were sold nowhere, out. But it was huge. Yeah. yeah. I think this is, like, the first Marvel movie to come out that people cared about. Because, like, yeah, you know, sure. like, Black Widow, eh. Shang-Chi mm-hmm. was a new IP, but, like, the people mm-hmm. who, like, saw it liked it. And then Eternals, and it's like, who cares, you know? Who wants right. to see... I don't like, think anybody cared about that, actually. No, so. and... uh you know, Chloe Zhao directed that one, so, you know, I knew it was going to be a bad one, and then everyone else saw it and knew it, saw it was a bad one, and I'm like, ha-ha, I knew it. I felt vindicated. Um, but yes, Spider-Man, very good. Uh, I forgot to bring up Tom Holland. He does do a great job. Um, I think Tobey Maguire, as much as I love Tobey Maguire, uh, not the best Spider-Man. He's a great Peter Parker, but... You know. Oh yeah, he's a fantastic Peter Parker. <laughs> he's a, I think he might be the best Peter Parker, but when it comes to actually like Spider Manning, eh, yeah. you know. But uh, his quirk is just so there. I love his it. His quirk, yeah. 
Uh, Andrew Garfield is a great Spider-Man, not a, a horrible Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And when the majority of the movie is Peter Parker stuff, uh, yeah. then it's yeah. I feel like he good. had the opportunity to be a great Spider-Man, but I feel like the writing he was given was not. Oh, true. Yeah, the best. Especially going from Sam Raimi to, uh, yeah. oh, I forgot who does Amazing Spider-Man 2. That guy's, like, horrible. I don't think he got any work after that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's that might be the worst superhero movie. I think I said I love that. the jabs that they take at that trilogy in the movie, too. They were very self-aware. Yes, they do. They do some jabs, but they also kind of... Uh, do a lot of like love letters to Amazing Spider-Man, and I'm like, who, they do. Who cares about Amazing Spider-Man? It wasn't your fault. <laughs> That's true. No, it wasn't. No, it yeah. wasn't Andrew Garfield. No, no I'm not blaming. Yeah, it, it was cool. I, yeah. I think under like a good writing team, he could be like really, really good. For um, sure. Yeah. I I have but, nothing against him. I I like yeah. Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Yeah, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, a two and a half hour movie that didn't seem long. So. Yes. If you got yeah. that, you're immediately like good in my book. For sure. For sure. Uh, unfortunately, I think my top two are both very short, so I cannot <laughs> echo that. Um, my number two, I think this will come as a surprise to most, maybe not Babby, but it is Inside by Bo Burnham. Uh, I think uh, both this one and my number one are complete, completely perfect. Five out of fives. Uh, I think... Uh, inside the comedy special, not just the music, which I did talk about in the music top 25 of the year, um, which you guys can hear later or watch, I guess, later this week. Um, I, you know, kind of uh, rated it pretty low on that list just because I feel like using the music by itself. Um, while I do enjoy some of the music, I think cohesively as an album, it doesn't really hold a candle to a lot of like complete, uh, like musical projects. Um, but I think using the music as a backdrop to inside itself is fantastic. I think this is probably, I don't, not probably, I think this is the best, uh, comedy special I've ever seen in terms of directing cinematography um this thing is absolutely phenomenal and the fact that Bo Burnham pretty much did this all by himself um I know he did have some assistant editors and stuff but for the most part it's just Bo Burnham in his room uh singing songs and doing some weirdo stuff with lights um which as someone who uh you know has experience in setting up lights and knows how much of a nightmare it is. It's Uh, horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I hate doing lights. Um, I cannot even imagine what it was like to do that all by yourself in, you know, it's a pretty small room. Yeah. The space he's in is not accommodating it either. No. Um, especially cause he's doing this all while being quarantined for COVID. Um, because I guess if you somehow don't know the story of this, uh, even though it was insanely popular beginning of this year, um, Bo Burnham uh, was gone for a very long time. Uh, I think about five years. He left in 2017. Um, He was having anxiety, panic attacks on stage, stopped doing stand-up, and then came back 
by making a stand-up, I put that in quotes, show uh, in his house. I don't know if this is exactly his house, but it looks like it might be just like an Airbnb or something. I don't know how that works, but it's a pretty small house, and I don't imagine that Bo Burnham lives there. Um, but he's just recording everything, uh, making the music, editing, doing all the lighting, setting up the cameras, uh, and he just recorded that over the course of uh, 2020 and then released it uh, beginning of 2021. And I think it is the absolute uh, perfect representation of what quarantine was like, um, how in the first half it is kind of funny, <laughs> not not funny, but, you know, people were like making bread and binge watching shows and like it was like oh let's have like a fun little staycation you know we're gonna just chill for a minute and then it like kept going and then everybody started doing way worse and uh by the end it's just so depressing (laughs) and sad because uh you know not only are we dealing with like quarantine stuff but also there's a lot of like social unrest that was happening in the end of 2020 Um, And I think that is perfectly represented here in Inside. Um, So if you somehow haven't seen it yet, uh, check out Inside by Robert Burnham. Robert Burnham. (laughs) So your number one. Um, My number one is Inside. Wow. Oh, Oh, okay. I was wondering what your number one was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I just kind of put it there, like, in general, because I think it is, like, the best experience I've gotten, like, in terms of, like, creativity, mm-hmm. um, uniqueness, and genre bending, I would say, because I don't even think I classify this as a comedy special, mm-hmm. even though it does have elements in it. Yeah. But I, I kind of call it, like, a multimedia experience, because it does have everything. Yes. Um, but I think it perps- per- uh, perfectly encapsulates the past couple years. Um, and the kind of future of content creation and its kind of more professional outlook mm-hmm. in the coming years. Um, like, this is like a, kind of like a YouTube thing, like done to the extreme with high quality production, writing, everything. Um, and it's kind of like a thing where it's like, you could make this if you wanted to, mm-hmm. if you have the right stuff. Um, so it felt very personal, it felt very intimate. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel big budget or any of that. Um, music works well in the special. I don't listen to it outside of the special. I kind of just keep it as the times, like keeping thing in the special, mm-hmm. just because I think outside of it, it doesn't. It lacks context and like, there's so many other artists that can do better things than him in the same realm. I think he's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. This is definitely his best batch of songs from a special he's done. Yes. Um, but, I mean, if you give your cover to someone like Phoebe Bridgers, she's obviously going to help you. <laughs> right. But, uh, in terms of just, like, the special in general, um, pretty great. Uh, I don't really watch it a lot because it is kind of, like, painful to bring back <laughs> yeah. what 2020 was like, and that's not the energy I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be painful and damaging. You have to just replay that in your head constantly. But... Um, I do think he tackled things very well. Um, the social unrest thing was kind of very interesting because, like, he's very self-aware, like, uh, crippling-wise so, where he'll be like, I want to speak on social issues, but I'm also not, also not the person to speak on that since I'm 
literally like an upper class white man <laughs> right who's making a film in my bedroom um <laughs> and it's like his awkwardness of trying to like steer that through but it was very interesting to see how he tackled it and pretty entertaining but at the same time like still pretty accurate um in terms of what was happening and the feelings towards people and how he's able to like step outside of himself and make fun of a certain group of people for like all of a sudden caring even though despite not caring about social issues like literally months ago yeah um and like the radicalization of people through a pandemic is shown pretty well in there as well Mm -hmm. so i feel like he kind of nailed all elements um while being extremely self-aware funny at times uh very like intimate and personal at other times right but yeah i like the dead the degradation of the mood as it goes on mm-hmm. where it's like le- like happy and funny it's like oh here's sexting and here's you know white woman's instagram and that it's like slowly starts fading down <laughs> and down as the months progress and you can see it in real time yeah um so very very great like artistic achievement in all realms um even though it's not a traditional movie in a sense i think it does count in this category but yeah, yeah, I'm counting. I very it. much enjoyed it. I'm not a va- I'm not a big fan of stand up, so something like this is a lot more my space. Yes, I think I like uh, I like theatrics, <laughs> and Bo Burnham is uh, very capable of doing that. Yes, um, he even did some of that when he was doing traditional stand up, which I was always yeah. a big fan of. Um, but this is obviously it to the ex- extent. Uh, exactly. Very cool. I do want to nominate Dave Chappelle's The Closer as the worst movie I've seen this year if we're counting comedy specials. So, let me see if I watch something. I want worse. my time back. Was it w- worse than Space Jam? Yes. Okay. Let me see what Space, else. I saw. Space Jam made me cringe a little bit, but like LeBron's smile that he did every time, <laughs> like brought me back. Um, yeah. Dave Chappelle, I was just cringing at for like an hour and a half or however long it was. So. I have them both at one and a, one and a half star. Okay, Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's probably I'll just a throw tie. that out there. Is you know, yeah, I think Space Jam is probably the worst movie, but Dave Chappelle's The Closer made me feel worse. Yeah, I got a lot of worse <laughs> feeling off of the Dave Chappelle one because I know Space Jam was like just a I, fun movie. Yeah, I knew it was gonna be yeah. campy. This um, I've never watched the degradation of a person so fast. So yes. I mean, Yes, I would like to nominate Ghostbusters Afterlife as the second Ooh. worst movie I've seen yeah. this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's uh, my top and bottom movie. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I do have some very short honorable mentions before my number one pick. Uh, two of them are the two Disney movies that came out this year, Encanto and Raya the Last Dragon. Um, both of them are very visually attractive, but beyond that, stories kind of fell flat. Um, and Kanto was probably the better one out of the two, um, just because you got that Lin-Manuel Miranda soundtrack, um, so you know you got some killer tracks on there, um, but, I mean, aside from that, uh, it wasn't anything really new, so, yeah, but still worth seeing, because it, 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 they're both good, but, you know, eh, honorable mention, uh, and my... My other honorable mention. It absolutely breaks my heart that it's on this list. It's Licorice Pizza. Didn't even make the top ten. I'm so sad. Uh, I just saw this movie today. Um, and I am... Oh, so disappointed. Um, I gave it a three out of five. It's uh, 
not great. I'm usually very lenient <laughs> with fours. Um, but this movie, um, I, th- I had heard some comparisons to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They both are period pieces set in L.A. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is set in 69. Uh, Licorice Pizza is happening a little bit later in the 70s. Um, a little bit f- focused more on Nixon and uh, Vietnam era. Um, but, uh, man, they, they worked really hard to uh, get the set design and production design, uh, wardrobe, hair and makeup. Like All of those are like absolutely phenomenal. It feels like I'm watching a movie in the 70s, um, which is great. Uh, that is something that I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does phenomenally. It's like one of the best period pieces I've seen. Um, but unfortunately, Licorice Pizza is uh, kind of weird. Um, because they're, basically it just follows the story of these two characters. Um, uh, you know, the, the lady. Oh, why can't I remember her name? It's the Alana. It's the same name as the actress. Um Alana and Gary. Uh, the The trick is is that Alana is twenty five and Gary is fifteen. Um, I don't feel like I need to say anything more about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why the age gap is like that. Uh, but yeah, it's so weird because they're like trying to set up this romance between the two um but gary is a 15 year old and he acts like a 15 year old and alana is a 25 year old and is fully mature and is like interested in other adult men because of course she is but for some reason she keeps crawling back to the 15 year old and it is very cringy and hard to watch kind of at some points and it's like why are you still with this 15 year old go meet someone else um so it's a little bit weird seeing that um and you know i have seen some complaints because there is a racist joke in it or a couple well the same joke twice um that's the thing is that it is very tonally inconsistent because sometimes it's a romance sometimes it's a comedy or it tries to be a comedy uh, I actually don't think that the the joke is as bad as some people are making it sound. Um, I will briefly explain what the joke is, because if, in case you haven't seen the controversy, um, there is a couple, or I, I guess a dude. Uh, there is a dude in the film that keeps marrying Japanese women, um, but the thing is, he's kind of like a weeb. I guess he's exactly a weeb. Um, he's a white dude who's like, he wishes he was Japanese. He like has a Japanese restaurant. He, uh, marries exclusively Japanese women, even though he doesn't speak Japanese Uh, and like all the waitresses in his restaurant, uh, wear kimonos and stuff, which I mean, the joke is obviously that this dude is a creep and like an idiot, um, which is, you know, that's kind of funny. Um, but every time he talks to his wife, he does kind of like an offensive Asian accent, but just talking in English because he doesn't speak Japanese. Um, and some people are like really kind of blaming Paul Thomas Anderson for that. I don't think that's the worst joke ever. 
uh, you know, I've, I've definitely seen worse from Dave Chappelle's The Closer. Um, so, yeah. Also, those weren't jokes. This is an actor playing a movie role. Right. And, like, I don't know. Like, I, I saw... That's, that was the thing. Like, I was talking with... Uh, I saw it with my buddy Grant, or our buddy Grant, I suppose. Um, and he was kind of saying that he didn't really like the joke, and I... I said, well, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what it was. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. And, like, it's not like the joke isn't at the expense of the Asian person. It's at the expense of the white dude. Of the, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think the difference is because I don't think it's right. necessarily racist towards Asian people. That's what I've kind of seen. No. That, that it's, I'm like, no, that's not really what's going on here. Um, but the actor that plays that guy, I actually, I really enjoy him. He's in Arrested Development and Community, um, so it was kind of it was kind of funny to see him there, uh, and also the waitress from Always Sunny plays Gary's mom. That was also kind of a trip. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess if you want to see it, um, it's getting glowing reviews from everybody. It has like a ninety three, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes critically and eighty five uh, audience score. On Letterboxd, the majority of the reviews are four stars and up, so I'm definitely in the minority saying that it was pretty eh, but um, honestly, I kind of expected a whole lot more from Paul Thomas Anderson, and the writing was pretty bad. I mean, the dialogue writing was pretty good, but it was like the the overall writing was pretty bad. So I just thought I'd put it in my honorable mentions because I was very excited to see this movie, and then it let me down a little bit. I still the gave it a three. The longest honorable mention goes to Licorice Pizza. I just I needed to explain myself a little bit because that's going to be <laughs> controversial, I think. Um, but my number one pick, um, I don't think this is going to be a surprise for anyone who has watched the podcast for a long time. It is the French Dispatch. What? I know. By Wes Anderson. Um, I knew basically nothing about this movie going in. Um I knew that Wes Anderson, uh, one of my favorite directors, I think, at this point. I have been kind of binging his stuff this year. Um, I had pretty much just seen The Grand Budapest Hotel, and I absolutely love that movie. Um, so I decided, you know what, hey, I'll I'll watch some more of his movies in preparation for The French Dispatch. So I saw, like, The Royal Tenenbaums and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Uh, is that it? That might be it. I feel like I watched another one, though. I don't know, they all kind of feel the same. Um, which is the one thing that I will knock against Wes Anderson, but this movie does not really feel like those at all. Um, and that is why I think it is my favorite one out of all of them. Um, which, again, is a controversial thing to say, but whatever. Um, I really enjoyed this thing. Um, I really love how it takes a whole lot of different stories um, and kind of bring them together under the backdrop of it's the different articles that are being written for this magazine. Um, I think performances are pretty great all around, even from uh, Timothy Chalamet, who I am not generally super impressed with. But, um, you know, I think he actually had a pretty decent year this year. I thought he was pretty pretty good in Dune. I thought he was pretty good in the French Dispatch. So, you know, maybe I need to turn my attitude around on him. Maybe he's grown a really lot. Do. Um, I, you know... <laughs> Uh, I'm still not going to say he's hot because I don't believe that, but <laughs> this is a talk for another day. 
That's another, you know, next yeah. week we'll have our in-depth is Timothy okay. Chalamet we'll hot. Like, yeah. I, I know Bab Jab loves Timothy Chalamet, thinks he's very yeah. hot. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, I think uh, the writing in it is fantastic. Um, I absolutely love the, uh, the uh, I want to say like the coloring, but there, most of it is in black and white. But each story kind of has its own feel to it. I think each story is in a different aspect ratio. Um, there are stories that are in like 4-3. There are some that are in 16-9. Uh, there are some that are in like super letterboxed. Um, and then there are like straight up 2D animated. Se- I don't know why I said it like that. 2D animated uh, segments that I think are fantastic. I absolutely love 2D animation. Um, I think it is the only kind of animation that doesn't age, uh, cause you watch Toy Story 1 and it looks old and dusty, um, but you can watch something like Cinderella and it's pretty much the same as when you watch, when it came out in the fifties. Um, so I think anytime you can add 2D animation, uh, to a movie, the, uh, that's pretty G dang good in my opinion. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of bad things to say about it. Um, I think it's relatively short. I don't believe it is too long. I, um, I think the only thing that I would say that is negative about it is that it was very selective on theaters so that Bambi was not able to see it. So that is the only thing that I'll say against it. Um, yeah, it was only 108 minutes, an hour and 48, very accessible. Um, plus everyone's favorite actor, Henry Winkler is in it. Let's go. So who doesn't love Henry Winkler? Uh, I would love to see one person that doesn't like Henry Winkler, except for Tom Hanks, because they have beef. Um, but that, yeah, I know. It's like the two nicest guys in Hollywood. (laughs) They hate each other. Um, but that is my top 10 movies of the year. Um, now we just have gaming. Who doesn't love epic gaming? I love gaming. Me too. Um, Do you want to start gaming or should I start gaming? I can start gaming. Okay. Um, Personal bias uh, first. Uh, I play mostly multiplayer games and shooters. Mm -hmm. I maybe play one or two single player games a year or when I have a massive itch to just randomly dig into like some single player experience but mm-hmm. i'm mostly a multiplayer uh i need to play against other people competitively wise usually um but with that uh, i have one honorable mention in Splitgate. um i put it as an honorable mention because it has technically been out for two years but this year it got like traction oh. out of nowhere yeah um got out of early very, access didn't it yeah i think so yeah but i mean it's still kind of been around mm-hmm. so i put it as an honorable mention just in case but uh really inventive idea it's basically halo with like extremely fluid movement um and portal mechanics and things yes um so the matches are super like it runs super smooth too so the matches are always dynamic and different um i think it's a really good game that could get better as long as the dev team keeps going um i can see it getting bigger Mm -hmm. maybe with a console release too they can get some cloud up yeah but uh, number five, I have Resident Evil Village. Um, mm. Seven was too much for me. Uh, and I think they toned it down and 
went back to the formula that I liked from Resident Evil with this one, where it's uh, less of like a realistic like horror, like super incredibly horror thing. Like Village just or uh, Seven just struck me the wrong way all the time. Maybe because it was all the things I didn't like in horror, where it was like too much for me. Mm-hmm. But this one had like those characters that were like had all these personalities and things. Um, and there were multiple of them, so that didn't like have a like it didn't linger too long. Um, but you had like the castle, you had the swamp guy, um, all these different things with these different worlds. Uh, you had these vampires and there are werewolves everywhere. So it's that old school like Resident Evil. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but at the same time, it's still kind of like scary once you get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty enjoyable. Um, I am interested to see where they go for the next one. They seem like they're setting up a lot of stuff. I just hope they keep on this formula because this one's a lot more entertaining to me than like seven where you're just trying to run away from a guy that's like made out of termites and it's like absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Well, they only have one more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm incredibly like creeped out of like the old man, like cannibal uh, (laughs) setting. Yeah. Like that is terrifying to the point where I won't even play it. So. Yeah, this no one, one it's like you, you got you got a vampire milf, uh, so I mean, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all you plus. need. Yeah, that's all you need, really. That's what people got. That's that's what got a lot of people like into the game first off, which is like brilliant marketing. To be it, it is, yeah, yeah. But, I, I, I mean, despite even her, like the other villains are pretty great too. Mm-hmm. Big baby, yeah, big baby's pretty scary. Big baby, you got the swamp guy pretty good yeah um all right um i guess my gaming biases um i find that more and more i tend to have less um i've been trying a whole lot of new genres really branching out trying things that i probably wouldn't have uh this year i discovered that card games are fun um I didn't know that that was going to be possible you have fallen (laughs) (laughs) not like uh hearthstone or anything like that but like i've been playing a lot of like roguelike card builder games and i i do love a a good roguelike um so i've I've discovered that those are fun um but i don't know should i do my honorable mentions now or in between one and two doesn't matter okay uh i'll just do them now i don't have a whole lot to say um you know, uh, most of these are indie games, so I am kind of sad that they didn't get to make my top ten. Um, but also, I haven't finished the grand majority. Well, actually, all of these I haven't finished, so that's awesome. Um, my first honorable mention is Sable. Um, this game is on the Xbox Game Pass, so there's no excuse to not play it. Um, I talked about it a while ago when I was playing it, um, I think in the fall. Um, it is a absolutely great game, borrows a lot from Breath of the Wild, but really kind of pushes the narrative end of things, uh, because Breath of the Wild does not have the best narrative, but that is completely fine. Um, but this one really tries to tell, um, a story that is completely your own, where you are venturing out and trying to, to discover who you are and what you want to be, um, which as a young adult person uh, is, uh, you know, something that obviously resonates with me um, very heavy. Um, and I would uh, encourage anyone else to uh, play it if you are in the same situation. 
Um, my second honorable mention, this one is going to be a big, big honorable mention, um, is Inscription. Um, I'm actually not going to talk too much about this game because I think the less you know about it, the better. Um, I will say that it is similar to things like Overwatch, not Overwatch, why did I say that? Undertale, uh, and, uh, or Overwatch, you know, I was also going to say Doki Doki Literature Club, so definitely not Overwatch. (laughs) Um, it's by Daniel Mullins, who made Pony Island. Um, so if you are familiar with Pony Island, that was a pretty big game in 2017, I think. Um, but he likes doing these kind of, uh, you know, seems normal at first and then it takes a turn and it's like super dark and scary, like, um, Doki Doki or I get Undertale didn't, wasn't super dark and scary. It's scary. Um, It just got real. Yeah, it got real. Um, so I, I haven't finished this game. Um, the thing with his stuff is that they are very hard. Um, and I've gotten to the point now where it seems to be largely luck based and that is incredibly infuriating for me. Um, so I, I will beat it. I I know I'm going to, um, but right now I've started to play other games like these other two honorable mentions. Uh, speaking of James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy by, uh, the Square Enix one, uh, biggest surprise of the year, um, Avengers came out this year and was a absolute dumpster fire. Um, I don't know if anyone liked that game. Uh, only time I saw people care about it is when they added Spider-Man and nobody liked his suit design. So uh, that's pretty much all you need to know about Marvel's Avengers. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm playing through it right now. It's actually really enjoyable. Um, I, I am not very far in it at all. I'm maybe only a couple hours in. Um, but you know, anytime you can do digital dress up is a big plus for me. And you don't even, (laughs) you don't only have digital dress up for yourself. You have digital dress up for all five guardians of the galaxy. And now that's fun. That's something I can get behind. Um, so I had big, big ups. I know it won best narrative, uh, at the game awards. Um, that's what kind of got me interested (laughs) Because I'm like, really? Guardians of the Galaxy for best narrative? Now that's something I have to check out. Uh, and right now, I haven't really got that, but I have been getting some great writing. Um, it, it actually feels like a Guardians of the Galaxy game that was like written by James Gunn when it comes to like interpersonal dialogue. Um, so I, would, I, I, I recommend it so far. It's pretty good. Um, and the number nine is Eastward. Uh, I have a feeling that this thing is going to be very long, Um, but what I will say is if you, uh, like top down action adventure games like Zelda, uh, or, uh, Death's Door, which I will be talking about later, um, and you want one that is set in the Studio Ghibli universe, uh, then play Eastward because that's what it is. Uh, I don't think I'm even done with the prologue yet and I'm like four hours in, so it's going to be very long. Um, but you know. Red Dead is very long, and it is probably uh, the best game of all time, according to uh, everyone ever. Um, And with that, that is all my honorable mentions. I played a lot this year, so I would have felt weird not including them. Um, But my number five, which I wish was in my number four slot, but it is Back for Blood. Um, This is a game that we uh, 
have a few hours in. It got a little too hard, but we did beat it. Um, I really enjoy the kind of spin on the Left 4 Dead model where uh, you got all four of us uh, fighting zombies, but you kind of get to like design your kit, and there's a lot of kind of strategic planning that you can do with the card system, and um, I just I really enjoy that aspect of it. I find that really engaging, which uh, usually when it comes to like stats and like stuff like that, like that is like an instant turnoff for me. I hate stuff like that. Um, but in this game, it really incentivizes you to uh, get the best kit because this game is hard as nails. I uh, haven't played the December update, so maybe it isn't anymore, but that is my number five. Epic. Epic. Number four, uh, I have Halo Infinite, specifically the multiplayer. I haven't played the campaign yet. Oh, frick. Um, Dang it. Did you forgot? Oh, no. I forgot Gore. about Halo Infinite. Super Gore. Oh, um, no. But I got to put this at number four, purely for a AAA company releasing a good multiplayer FPS. Um, that is something that doesn't happen anymore, apparently. Uh, Battlefield completely flopped, the hardest I've ever seen this year. Um, and COD just released another COD game. Yeah. So, you know, but Halo came back um, with probably its best multiplayer experience ever, I would say. Um, I'd say that's fair. The best I've played out of any Halos. Um, for sure, but mm -hmm. it's still got the classic Halo feel. Um, the gun selection is really great. The maps are pretty cool. Um, the customization's off the charts. Although yeah. I will say the battle pass still needs tweaking. Mm -hmm. um, it's still a little slow for like the seventy-five tiers you give us. It's very, very slow ranking up. Yes, but um, I think like as of a launch title, like just coming out, I think it still had quite a bit of content. The Halo formula stays the same, um, which is not a bad thing. People get that nostalgia. Uh, and it's still definitely Halo, but the the movement is very fluid. The gameplay is very fluid. The performance on PC just got better with their recent update. <laughs> yeah. So they are increasing that. Um, but yeah, there are annoying things in Halo, but that's just from a gameplay perspective and something I'm not used to because I have never played like a, a FPS made specific specifically for consoles like on a PC now. Mm -hmm. There's like weird things that happen that like gameplay wise where it's like why do people do this instead of this? Yeah. But that's just not me understanding the game yet because uh, Halo is a very uh, technical game. I just don't know how to play it yet. It's something unlike I've played really. Um, but yeah, I gotta give it to a AAA studio for doing a, a good FPS game for free. For free, um, yeah. So Hopefully this sets a precedent for the other two big FPS uh, franchises that decided to just continue dropping the ball for $60. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good game. I will talk about it later. I had to do some switching around to <laughs> put it in. Uh, Death's Door I had to kick out. Sorry, Death's Door. Uh -oh. um, it's a good 2D Zelda game made by Devolver, so play it if you like that. That's all I need to say about it. Uh, my number four, which I wish was Back for Blood, but it is Death Loop. Uh, it is the game of the year, except it isn't. But it was nominated the most for stuff at the Game Awards. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was, uh, you know, I don't think I was skeptical of it. Um, I knew Arcane as being the Dishonored boys, and I really enjoy Dishonored. Um, it. I think it's no secret that it is uh, a really bad story, but I think every game has a pretty bad story for the most part. Um, 
Uh, I think this one had some like really great stealth gameplay though, and that definitely carries over into Deathloop, except now there's guns in it. And uh, oh, guns there are. There are some really interesting gun design stuff. It's not just like pistols, SMGs, shotguns, assault rifles, LMGs, whatever. Um, there are some really unique gun types in this game where like dual pistols that can turn into SMGs or like uh, there's like an SMG that has like two pi uh, two clips in it so you can like shoot and reload at the same time. Um, it's pretty wacky. There's a lot of <laughs> the humor in it is pretty decent. I don't think it's like the best thing ever, but sometimes it does surprise me. Um, so I, I would recommend it. Um, I don't get why it was nominated for everything under the sun. Um, but it was pretty enjoyable. I did just get the bad ending on accident. So oops, bad me, I, I guess it was on accident, uh, <laughs> on record, uh, oops. So there we go. Death loop number four. Maybe number three, back three blood. Oh, um, I would like to put it higher, but you know, it, it's still got things that need fixed. Um, we have not played December update, but yes. um, as a basis of a game, I saw so much potential in it, and a lot of the potential is met just on launch. Even from like the beta to launch, there was massive improvements, um, and it runs fantastic. The gun play is so much better than the Source engine. Mm -hmm. um, everything felt really smooth and like reactive. Um, so gunplay was really great. Uh, the Left 4 Dead method is actually like upgraded. A lot of people like were hating on this game, but I think those people are stuck in the past yeah. um, and don't want to move on from Left 4 Dead 2, which is a shame because this game really does improve on everything Left 4 Dead 2 did. Mm -hmm. um, I think besides memorable characters. Yes. Uh, yeah. This game does have some good characters. Yeah, you're Evangelo. Uh, Evangelo is stupid, but with the new the new update, we won't probably have him unless we randomly get him because I think it's a randomizer now. I think it um, was yeah. Solo people can change who they want, yeah. but I think now it's random for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Which is good because Evangelo got really annoying. I hate um, Evangelo. But yeah, there were things that needed to be fixed. I think most of those are fixed now. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, I like the idea of, like, campaigns split into acts and then, like, the skill trees to get the best possible things you can get and then playing it again in a harder difficulty. Um, I like the challenge. Uh, yeah. Left 4 Dead is pretty easy. Um, For the most part, yeah. Yeah, it's very arcadey. But this one is, like, uh, you can min-max yes. tons of different skills. All the weapons can be viable. There's not, a, like, a bad weapon um, or, like, a meta gun. It's, like, whatever your kit will provide you the most, like, skill with, um, mm -hmm. you can gra gravitate towards, because, like, I'd never use a sniper in a zombie game until I can have a kit where I have, like, 50% more damage with snipers and, like, 200% bullet penetration. Then I have to carry a sniper with me, and it's, like, <laughs> really good. Yeah. So, I think, uh, I like, I like these games where there are classes and there's weapons and you get to use every weapon as a viable source, um, a lot of times these kind of games, like I would say like Counter-Strike, uh, there's a lot of weapons, but like once you get to really knowing the game, there's only like three that you touch. <laughs> right. Which is unfortunate, but yeah. I like being able to use the whole arsenal here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's good. This game has a very bright future and it is very enjoyable from a casual and like a let's try really hard this run and like get our perfect decks ready and 
strategize this uh, perspective. So yes, I think people are hating on it way too much. I think it's a great game. I, I agree. Think it could get better. So uh, good mm-hmm. job, Turtle Rock. Yeah, keep on it. doing it. It's like the only studio to come out, back. So uh, did they? Did they get bought out yeah. by Microsoft? No, someone I forgot who it was. Amazon? Don't tell me it's Amazon. Uh, I don't know. It would make me very sad. Ten cent. Ten cent. What's ten cent do? Ten cent uh, is a gigantic uh, Chinese uh, company, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like they're it's okay. It's retaining its independent operations in California, so it looks like they might just be more um, marketing wise. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's. But Tencent is like PUBG Mobile oh. and uh, those kind of games where they're like Dang. heavily market marketable in Asia. So. Mm. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that works, but I mean. Yeah, we'll As long see. as they don't interfere creatively, um, I'm good with this. Yeah. It's like the only time that like a dev from an old game studio comes back and make a game that they made before but better because like, like ukulele tried to do that yeah it's like yeah that was kind of a disaster so yeah good job turtle rock um my number three is something that i had planned from the very beginning it is halo infinite the campaign this time okay um i specifically want to talk about the campaign since you did not because i pretty much have the same opinions as you on the multiplayer i i enjoy the multiplayer i suck at it but that's okay um, the campaign, on the other hand, is a whole lot of fun. I think uh, it's going to be really hard to play any of the old Halo games uh, that don't have a grappling hook, because I swear this is the best <laughs> mechanic that Halo has ever added to their game ever. Um, it feels so good to like zip around corners or like uh, you know grapple onto an enemy and then melee him and then steal his gun and then shoot someone else. It's like it it really feels like you're, you know, a super cool guy where like I felt like before you're just kind of like a soldier that everyone liked a lot. Um, but no, like this time you've earned it. You're a cool guy now. Um, I have to say that, uh, you know, story is kind of laughable. Um, it's That's very generic. <laughs> yes. Um, but they also treat the, the events of the previous games as if they're the gospel um, when they are also just, you know, generic sci-fi fodder so that you can get to the mission where you drive a warthog into a tank or something. Um, that's really all these games are, but uh, they seem to, like, really put some of the chips in the story when I think the best part about this game is the gameplay. Um, there are so many different gun types. Uh, every single one of them is viable in the campaign, which is not true necessarily in the multiplayer. Like, the shock rifle is actually pretty good in the campaign, uh, and it absolutely sucks in multiplayer. Um, but it, it just feels, like, so good. Like, uh, And it, it's like certain weapon types are good against different types of enemies. So, like, why the shock rifle is so good is because there are, like, robot enemies. So when you need to take out a robot enemy, you pull out your shock rifle and zap them to kingdom come. But then you got, like your your shotguns and regular uh halo type guns and those are good for shooting at the aliens which are fighting most of the time but uh i think that this is 
probably one of the best games I've played this year gameplay-wise, because it is pretty fun. Um, I think Dunkey did bring up in his review that there's a lot of copy-and-paste missions, and that is true. Uh, a lot of the side content is like, go here and hunt down a high-value target. And it's like, that sounds fun, but they're just regular enemies with more health, and that's kind of lame. Um, except the grunts. Sometimes the high-value targets are grunts, then you just run them over with a ghost, and then the mission's over, and that's kind of funny. <laughs> but I will say that it, it does incentivize you to do those, because each one of the high-value targets are, uh, they are equipped with a regular gun that has a modification to it, uh, and... I think the only thing that's bad about that is that it doesn't necessarily tell you what the modification is. You kind of have to guess based on the name. Um, so, like, some of them are easy, where it's, like, rapid-fire, uh, you know, plasma rifle or something, where it's like, okay, that's easy, because that's just a burst rifle uh, gun default, and then when you get the modification on it, then the bursts are, like, way closer together, and you can eventually, like, essentially just have, like, a full auto gun. Um, but then there's stuff like the Duelist's Energy Sword, which I have no idea what it does, except it looks a deeper shade of blue than the regular Energy Sword, and that's cool enough, honestly. Um, but yeah, you can pick one of those up at the Assassin's Creed outpost that you have to clear, um, so that's pretty epic. I do like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think anything will compare to, uh, you know, the moments where I pick up an explosive barrel with my grappling hook and then I huck it 500 miles down the road and explode a big old group of aliens and I think that's that's the reason you play Halo it's a lot of fun it's like um, grappling hooks need to be in every game as long as they're as good as this one I don't know this might be the best grappling hook I've ever played it's it's kind of astonishing how good it is because um, it just it feels really great and I think the reason for that is that it isn't just like a hook shot or something where like you grapple onto a surface and then like you just go there and then your momentum stops. Like when you like uh, grapple into something, uh, you basically go where you're looking and it essentially kind of acts as like a web swinger. Like so you can like kind of sling around corners really fast or you can like grapple into the floor and then B hop out of it and that gives you like a really long boost which I don't, they never tell you how to do that, but that's been like an essential like move in my gameplay. And I think that's what's really fun about it is that you're able to find these uh, like movement combinations that are entirely your own. It isn't like the game being like, hold Q to do a super big jump. And it's like, no, I can do a super cool jump by like grappling into a tree. And then like, you know, <laughs> if you grapple onto an explosive uh, explosive barrel then the momentum carries through to that and it sends you flying that is a bug but it is <laughs> useful so yeah it, it's it's very fun so if you have xbox game pass it's free so why not it's fun why not yeah that's my number three my number two fittingly it takes two yo i had to put it at number two for that um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Yosef improved on everything uh, from his last title. Um, I think the story is very passable, which is good. Uh, you know, game standard-wise, uh, narratives, I got to tone it down expectation-wise because they're never truly that good. Yes. Um, 
but this one's very passable, especially compared to a layout. Um, this one takes more of an approach of a everything kind of game, um, like the, the level design and the types of mini games you have to do and everything range uh, quite a bit. And mm -hmm. they all, all of them work out well, which is even more impressive. Um, I think the split screen kind of thing needs to catch on more. Um, I think more studios need to start investing on this type of game because this is a lost art. Yes. Um, for sure. In the past, like, new generation consoles, even like the PS4 and Xbox One, started mm -hmm. fading away. Yeah. Taking back to the 360 where every game had a split-screen mode that actually worked. Um, yeah. I like this, this formula. It gives a different kind of connection when you're playing a video game. Uh, that's what it should be all about, to be honest. But... Mm -hmm. um, just really cool concept pulled off really well um i, I guess you just you should just play it like you can buy one copy and you get two which is also another big thing you yeah like you don't both have to buy the game um you can just you know buy one copy and give it to the person you're gonna play with yeah um, i think and that's for awesome. all ages too which is also a plus so yeah this is definitely a, a very good step forward um in creativity and just like giving people uh, a certain itch that hasn't been scratched in a very long time um, mm -hmm. and especially like newer newer gamers that are younger they've probably never experienced something like this since this is kind of like an old style of playing games um so got it gotta give it to to yosef he did a great job with this one he really Any did game of the year so i mean he's, he's getting a, his recognition i'm glad i'm glad yosef is is moving up in the world um my number two is also it takes two I had to do it. I'm glad we had, yeah, we had to do it. <laughs> That's why I was a little bit disappointed that Back for Blood wasn't at number four. Yeah. Because then everything really would have worked out. Um, but yeah, I think for the majority, I'm going to echo everything you just said. Really, really great gameplay wise. I, I do really enjoy the split screen feel. Um, ever since online gaming kind of became a thing, like split screen became less and less a reality. Um, that feeling of like going over to a buddy's house to play video games together kind of became obsolete when you could just do that from your own house, which I realized, you know, that's the way things have to be. But, uh, you know, I think that feeling of, uh, you know, gaming with your boys on the couch, I think that that's something that needs to be preserved. And I think, yeah, I'm really glad that Yosef is really taking strides to preserve it um but yeah gameplay fantastic um you know story's fine i, I don't know it's not nothing to get right home it's about passable, it's passable like so. no yeah it isn't bad but it's no. not like ooh, this is something i have to like tell people about like it is very cool yeah. um so yeah i i it you know it's on uh, xbox game pass with ea play um, I think it's like 30 bucks maybe on sale on Steam uh, or it's on consoles too. Um, this is a great one. I think even like, you know, if it's two of your boys, that would work. Or if it's like a parent and a kid, that would also work. Like it's, it's really for all ages. And I think it's just a great bonding experience that you can have with one other person, um, which is crazy that like, I'm saying that about a, a video game, but it's, it's really true. Um, 
So yeah, big ups, Yosef and uh, Hazelight. Uh, keep on uh, doing. I saw that Joseph uh, posted a, a, a photo the other day. They're already working on the new game. Let's uh, go. Yeah, looks like they're just in pre-production, but he was like sliding across the, the table at like, <laughs> it was like, you know, a big meeting table and he was like sliding across it. And it was like actual footage of our uh, movement studies for pre-production on the new game. So nice. it was kind of cool to see that, uh, the, you know, they aren't taking any breaks. They're just going to keep on moving, uh, keep uh, making great true. stuff. got to keep going. Yeah. Makes me happy to see Yosef uh, soaring through the clouds. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, that's my number two. Epic. Uh, number uno game of the year for me, uh, Deltarune Chapter 2. Oh, okay. Chapter 1 came out in, I don't even remember, 2018? Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, so it took three years to get this, but I think it was worth it. As someone not playing Deltarune until this year, um, <laughs> I didn't have to endure the, the wait. So, But yeah. I will have to for the next chapters, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens when you get one man doing a majority of the work. Um, but I think as a overall experience uh, with all elements provided, I think this takes it for sure. Um, soundtrack is amazing. Uh, I, I was even going to like consider putting it in my top albums list because it really is just like really great soundtracking. Mm-hmm. Um, but also writing is fantastic, which is something you don't get in games a lot. So no. uh, as soon as a game has fantastic writing, it immediately like shoots up on my list. Um, but humor as well. Humor also is not displayed well in gaming usually. It usually falls flat. Not a lot of people know how to do it well. Uh, this game is hilarious. Yes. So um it's still got that undertale uh style humor but i think even more refined i think this game overall is probably better than undertale mm. um but i i think it's weird giving this game of the year because it is only chapter two and there's going to be seven of these but i can't wait until they're all out to judge the whole thing as a whole because yeah. uh chapter one was pretty good but this one is like where it really really is like whoa this is something mm. um i think when it's all said and done this will be a lot more recognized than undertale was but even just animation-wise, color palette-wise, everything is just brilliant. Um, all the characters are memorable, like every single one of them somehow. Um, the little quirks and Easter eggs and like small attention to detail things uh, are so good. Um, everything feels like it's got a purpose. Uh, all the little like fun game things where you click on a box that's not supposed to do anything. It's like, why are you clicking on this box, you stupid idiot? Nothing's here. <laughs> um, that kind of stuff is everywhere. Um, but yeah, even like starting to get a little bit serious in this one, but not too much. Um, I think that'll come later, which I'm not really ready for, but you know, uh, they're really introducing the characters and really like fleshing these things out. Um, and they're all amazing. So yeah, overall, I think this is like fantastic experience. Um, a good, good serotonin booster overall. Um, Mm -hmm. as long as you make good choices, of course, but you know. Great game, great soundtrack. Um, I don't know about replayability. I haven't really replayed it, but like at the same time, I don't need to. I think I got enough from it the first time. Yeah. Um, but really fantastic. Uh, I don't know how one man can do this. It's extremely. He's extremely talented. Yes. I think he has a little bit of a team now working on it, but like you know, the majority is still him. Yeah. But yeah, Toby Bravo Fox. Vince. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Him and uh, Concerned Ape. 
Yes. Where they're, they're two one-man The two one-man kings, yeah. And uh, the guy who did um, Doki Doki, too. Yeah, uh, Dan Salvato. Uh, D- Dan Salvato, yeah. So, uh, I'm always a fan of the, the one-man band groups because there's so much passion in those games. For sure, yeah. And they take so long, and you can tell, yeah. And they're always worth it. They're always worth it. like, done perfectly to the T. Yes. Um, very cool. A uh, very big fan of, uh, I I played Undertale this year and I didn't think that I'd be able to take another one. Um, I'll probably this play one is it. Not like heavy hitting at all. Okay. Yeah. So. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably give it a shot sometime next yeah. year um, when I get a chance. But I got a lot of stuff that's out right now. Um, but my site. Uh, wow. My number one. <laughs> uh, my number one pick is Psychonauts Two. Uh, this one, I don't think this is necessarily a surprise for anyone. Um, I think that this is probably one of the best 3D platformers of all time. This is up there with Super Mario 64 and Galaxy and Odyssey. Like, I, I would consider all of these, uh, in the same tier. Um, you know, four, I think it's 14 years since the first game. Uh, Double Fine is back, um... They were kind of like the rare of the, um, I don't remember when exactly. I think it would have been 360 maybe. Um, but, you know, after Rare got bought out by Xbox and then was making shovelware games, Double Fine was, they made the, they made Psychonauts. They made um, that Jack Black um, rock and roll, <laughs> like, beat-em-up game. Heck yeah. Yeah. They have, like, a lot of, like, fun gameplay stuff. Um, And, like, they usually kind of, like, push the narrative in terms of, like, storytelling. Um, Especially back then where it was, like, you know, 3D platformers was, uh, help Mario, I'm trapped in a castle, go through all of these wacky levels to find me. It's, like, the story is pretty inconsequential. uh, But Psychonauts 2 is, or not Psychonauts 2, Psychonauts 1 uh, actually, like, deals a lot with, like, mental illness, uh, and a lot of, uh, different themes dealing with that, um, because you are someone that is going into people's minds, uh, and oftentimes running into their trauma, um, which I think is very interesting, um, I really enjoy Psychonauts 1 as well, um, that game doesn't age necessarily well, I think, um, you really kind of, have to be uh, used to playing games of that era where everything is really uh, it kind of feels like you're on an ice level all the time uh, and the jumps are like really floaty um, which makes sense because you're uh, someone with psychic powers who's using like uh, like hovering stuff to double jump and stuff but um, still absolutely fantastic game I finally got a chance to play a good version of it today uh, this is Another PSA, do not buy the Steam version of this game, uh, of Psychonauts 1. Uh, it is, uh, the audio in it is horrible, and it will cut out all the time. Um, the Xbox Game Pass version of it is perfect, um, and I believe it's a little bit, um, I, I don't think it's like a complete remaster, but I think it's upscaled to a better resolution. So, play that one on Game Pass, do not get it on... Uh, Steam if you're going to play it on PC, Um, but finally, the Squeakquel came out this year, and um, oh boy, 
it is it is absolutely great um it picks up exactly where psychonauts one left off um but this time it's really pushing the boundaries in terms of art direction um you're like every single mind you're going into this time is completely different in terms of art direction um and like they're really kind of pushing that um I wouldn't say that this one is necessarily as dark as the first one because the dark, the darkness of the first game can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming or uh, I would, I would probably say triggering at, at some points where like you're dealing with some pretty serious trauma and like a, a, a kind of kids 3d platformer game. Uh, this, this one kind of takes it a little bit slower. Um, this one is more along the lines of like a typical, what you would expect from someone going into someone's mind where it's like you, you can be like tampering around with things and that changes their personality in the real world, which I think is, um, it's like an interesting gameplay mechanic, um, which I, I do enjoy that quite a bit. Um, but the story here, I wouldn't say it's like absolutely phenomenal. Um, it is enjoyable. Um, they did get the original cast, Somehow all of them survived for 14 years. Um, well, I mean, like some of them were, I don't know if they replaced some of them, but they sounded the same. Um, but yes, absolutely uh, fantastic gameplay. Um, all of the platforming feels buttery smooth on this version. Um, absolutely great game. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, I know that it was like a little bit hyped up when it like, uh, was it like getting ready to be released, but I haven't seen like a whole lot of people talk about it. So, uh, please play Psychonauts 2 if you haven't. Um, it is really a great platformer uh, and just a great game in general. So check it out, cowards. And that is my list. Nice. Thank you. Do you agree with our list? Let us know in the comments somehow. down below. Or on an uh, Apple Podcast review, except still give us five stars. Or a Spotify review. Spotify has podcast reviews now. Oh, do they? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Give us a review on one of those podcast services. I think Apple Podcasts will help us a little bit more since the Spotify ones are just getting rolled out. Um So if you want to help the podcast grow, then please leave us an Apple podcast review. Just make sure it is good because I don't care about your negative feedback. Give that to us on YouTube because that way uh, nobody can see your dislike. That way we're used to it and we can't see the dislike. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, man, we really need to work on an outro, don't we? We say that every single week and we've never done it. You've never sat down and been like, we need to think of an outro. You know, yeah, that's true. We really um, need to not work on one. I think that's fine. Oh, uh, we were going to talk about, I don't know if we were, we just talked about this right before we started, but we were just going to say YouTube stuff of this year. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube, um, but I think the best channel to come out this year is Channel 5. Uh really great uh journalism uh where it's just like actually letting people talk even if you don't necessarily agree with them 
um, really insightful uh, perspectives on things, which I guess is also what Anthony Padilla does, but uh, Andrew Callahan doesn't wear as many rings, so that is um, better, I think. Um, but yeah, definitely check out channel five. If you haven't, uh, another great channel to come out this year is probably, uh, Mr. Beast. He's so funny and I love Mr. Beast. Oh, he is awesome. Did you hear that he did a squid game? Bro, that's so cool. I love squid game. Oh my God. I really hope that Marquez Brownlee is in it. I love Marquez Brownlee. Me too. Okay. That's it for YouTube for me. I don't know. Do you have any channels you want to shout out? I could just shout out channels. I don't know if I have, like, a list or anything. Yeah, I don't either. They're also not new, but I also like Channel 5 quite a bit. Yes. Um, Channel 5 is great. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Hassan, Hassanabi. Um, He's been killing it this year. Uh, This is both on the Twitch and YouTube side, I would say. Um, Making uh, left-leaning politics uh, accessible and fun instead of uh, heart-crushingly depressing every day. Yes. Um, In an easy way. That isn't uh, very theory heavy or anything. Just great content. He has a lot of cool guests on. He's had JPEG Mafia on oh. twice in the past week. Um, That's fun. Those are absolute bangers of streams. Um, so those are always fantastic to check out. You learn a lot from him. Um, he's not afraid to yell at people either, even if they agree with him. Just to like, really, people can get stuck in ways uh, and not understand things because of ingrained societal norms or other things. Um, so I, I think it's good to, to either check yourself or get different opinions on things every once in a while. Um, so great channel. He's been doing fantastic things. Um, I also want to give a shout out to FD Signifier. This is a newer channel that I've been watching. Cool. Um, he breaks down uh, media and how like uh, different it comes out for like um, like the black community. He does... He did a whole thing on Dave Chappelle um, this year that was really fantastic. Oh. Um, he also did a one on Bo Burnham's Inside Special. I'm trying to see what the video is, wherever he put this thing. I think it was one of his first ones. I'm trying to find it. Why but, don't you send I mean, that to me and I can put it in the show description? Yeah, we can do that. But, I mean, like, the title is it's like Edgelord Movies and the Men Who Love Them. So it's like dissecting why certain segments of culture gravitate gravitate towards certain things mm. um here's the bo burnham one bo burnham's inside and white liberal white liberal white liberal performative art um that's a really great video uh so again different perspectives coming through fantastic video essays so oh i do um, love video essays yes sir so mm-hmm. that is that has been uh, a big part of my youtube this year nice. i guess fantano and the usual are like you know obviously check them out yeah um but I also want to give a big shout out to the Boy Time channel. Uh, yeah, killed they're pretty it this cool. Year. Yeah, yeah, huge reinvention mm-hmm. um, into reaction content. So yeah, I've been a fan of them for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a real underground fan before they started getting views. So right, all you need fans are just squares. Yeah, Catch I'm, not, up. I'm not a very big fan of them, frankly. You weren't there when we did the KFC dating simulator videos. You just no. don't know. You weren't there for podcast 14. Yeah. The best been, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if I have any newer stuff that I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, Internet Comment Etiquette, one of the best YouTube channels. 
um, very good stuff. Uh, you got uh, Donkey also. I think we reference him all the time. Uh, very good YouTube channel. Uh, I did find D'Angelo Wallace this year. Um, he is also a great, um, I guess it's commentary, but it's more like long form and more like calling out people on uh, bullshit. Kind of like what Content Cop is <laughs> or was. Um, but, you know, I think he has a really interesting perspective. Oh, I do um, know this person. Yes. yes D'Angelo Wallace. Very good. Yes. Very good boy. Uh, enjoy him a lot. Um, on the commentary side, uh, I got a big, big fans of Drew Gooden, Danny Gonzalez, Eddie Burback. Um, I can't, I can't say Gus Johnson anymore because of the whole <laughs> controversy. You shall not be named. I, I, it's a little bit unfortunate. Uh, I did not have Gus Johnson being a, a an asshole boyfriend, uh, on my bingo card for this year, but that's where we're at. Um, unfortunately, um, I'm just scrolling through my subscriptions seeing, oh, internet historian, uh, he doesn't really need a, a boy time shout out. Um, but I absolutely love his stuff. Um, even his stuff on his secondary channel in cognito mode. Um, just some great stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen his, um, gentleman pirate Sundance reject, um, where it is the the tale of real life pirate Steve Bon or Steed Bonnet. Um, it is absolutely phenomenal. I saw that Taika Watiti is making uh, an HBO show about that. Um, and I, I, th I saw internet historian made a joke about Taika Watiti stealing his video idea, which, you know, could be, I'm not going to say it isn't, uh, that Taika Watiti isn't stealing it, but you know, it's probably going to be funny. Uh, you know, video essays, you got Jay Aubrey, Jobry, very good boy. Just made a video about uh, Drake Bell that I thought was very interesting. Uh, yeah. And then my all-time favorite YouTube channel, Kevin Spacey. Where are you? You didn't post a video this year. Uh -oh. uh, kind of makes me wonder. Is he That's in jail? Nah, he's planning something a lot bigger. I don't know. People who are... Uh, Accusing him of sexual <laughs> assault. They keep dying or committing suicide. Yeah. So uh, who knows what's going to happen there. But it is a little bit. For office. I hope not. I don't think Kevin Spacey could do it. I think the allegations <laughs> against him are so bad <laughs> that I don't <laughs> think it could work. I don't. I, well, I mean, I guess none of it's been proven because all of his accusers keep dying. But Exactly. Part of his plan. <sighs> Man. That was probably the only reason I care about the Kevin Spacey stuff is because I think it was this one in 2019 where he ended it with, you got to kill him with kindness. And then the dramatic chipmunk theme played. And then like within the week, one of his accusers <laughs> committed suicide mysteriously. And that is the, the scariest thing that has ever happened in real life. Uh, and I don't know why more people aren't talking about that. Um, but then the last one was kind of lame. So maybe he's just like, I'm, I'm done being scary Kevin Spacey. I'm just going to, uh, you know, live alone and not kill people uh, or sexually assault them, hopefully. I don't know. Haven't seen any new allegations. Um, 
This is all a joke. I don't like Kevin Spacey, but I do enjoy his uh, videos. Uh, ironically, of course. Uh, and that is my YouTube list, I think, for right now. Don't watch Kevin Spacey videos. Don't do it. I don't do it. Don't do not condone this behavior. Do not give him any more exposure. He doesn't need it. So that's it. Nah. Um. See Nardwar interviewed uh, J. Cole? Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's so crazy. He's, he's back. He's back in a big way. Yeah. Yeah, just had the Peggy one nine days ago, and now J. Cole. Who's next? Joe Biden? (laughs) I hope so. He's probably going to say, let's go, Brandon, at the end of the interview. (laughs) Mr. Biden, (laughs) is it true that you voted pro-segregation in the 1970s? Oh, Ah, Oh, how'd you ah. not fuck that, Jack? (laughs) I was very terrified for my children. Do-do-do-do-do. Okay, this is a good podcast. Bye-bye.